And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning. Welcome to the show. Of course, it is uh, Tuesday as we get kind of uh, the day underway already. It's early. Didn't sleep well last night. Lots of tossing and turning stuff going on and my brain couldn't get it to shut down you didn't have an fei rave did you nope didn't do that but very sad news today yes. Olivia newton john passed away i know right so greece was the word part of the soundtrack of my growing up i know right so very sad singer entertainer mm-hmm. of course most famous role was greece with john travolta so yeah she will be missed um of course, you know, younger generation is like, who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show you how old we're getting, Brent. You know, all of our childhood. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's saddening. It really yes. is. I know. Starting to see the, the beginning of the end, as they say. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's interesting, too. You know, we watch movies and, you know, I don't feel that old, right? I really don't. Um, yeah, I'm still 17 inside. Exactly. My wife says I'm five constantly. <laughs> um, but I don't feel that old, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you start watching some movie on television and, and like my wife's like, well, when was that movie shot? It's like you, know, you push the information button. It's like 1989. <laughs> we watched a movie over the weekend with Robert Duvall and yeah. Robert De Niro in it. Yeah. They looked like kids. Yeah, I know. It's 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 crazy, and then of course you know you just look at some of the actors like uh, Tom Cruise and others. You yeah, know, they're, oh they're yeah, fifties, sixties now, and you know starting to push in the upper upper mm-hmm. upper upper wrangling. So yeah, it start, happens. Yeah, no, it's just it's just those are reminders that we're all getting a lot older very quickly. Well, more experienced anyway. No, just older. <laughs> So anyway, uh, a couple of things. Let's jump over to our chart this morning, uh, kind of get an update on yesterday's market action. Um, you know, first of all, you know, as we've been talking about here for the last few days, market has gotten a little bit overbought short term. There are some there are some very bullish kind of tendencies that are going on right now. So it's one thing you know worth paying attention to is that the 20 day moving average has crossed above the 50 day. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot of anything other than a very short term, the market is trading bullishly. So uh, that's that's what that means. Um, however, the last couple of days, you know, this market's really kind of been consolidating in, in a bit of a range here. Markets look to open a little bit lower this morning. We'll see how, how things open up um, as we kind of get going. But, you know, we've had this very nice kind of three-week rally from the lows. And you know, the, the question now, the big debate is whether or not this is the beginning of a new bull market or if this is a bear market rally and this is, you know, you know the back and forth. And, you know, right now the market has retraced about 33% of its, of its drawdown from the recent peak. And, you know, and, and that all suggests, right, that, you know, the market is improving and becoming much, you know, a, a little bit uh, more stable, shall we say. And, and so there's there's certainly an argument to be made. And again, a lot of people really hoping that, you know, we've seen the lows of the market correction. And, you know, this is, you know, and this is where, you know, we start to, you know, get the market to advance again. 
and of course young retail traders that have never seen a bear market before in reality and they haven't seen one yet by the way this we have not been in a bear market and i'll explain to you why in just a second but you know there is a a, a lot of you know, speculation in the markets uh, just over the last week or so, we've seen the retail traders and, and the Reddit traders right back to where they were doing it back in 2020. It's like, the, oh, this is the 2020 low again. That means we have to buy AMC and GameStop and, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond and these companies that are basically on the verge of bankruptcy. We are going to buy those and run those up a lot and, and make some money. And that's fine, right? There's speculative trading, nothing wrong with it. But, you know, if this was a bear market, you would not see that type of behavior because by the time you get to the end of a bear market, nobody wants to buy stocks. But importantly, and as we've talked about before, you know, this is not a bear market. This is a correction. And, you know, the reason that you know that this is a correction in particular is that if we go back to these lows, and, and again, I've got to, let me get a little different chart here for you to make it a little easier to see. Um, if we go back to these lows of 2009 as an example and, and take a look at this market and, and just draw a basic trend line you know, along these bottoms, right? We are nowhere near a retest or a change of trend in the markets. Right. So, yes, we've had a correction here and we are we are correcting within a bullish trend long term. This is still a bull market for all intents and purposes going back you know, to 2009. We haven't changed any of, the, of, the, of that analogy. And, you know, and more importantly, a, if this market turns around and and does what we saw back in 2020, which was also a correction within a bull market trend, it immediately a correction will immediately recover to new highs. In fact, if you go back and look at every one of these correctional points ever since 2009, you saw these corrections that immediately led to new highs, right? And and that's not what you see following a bear market like we had in 2007. It took years to regain a new high. That's the difference in, in a in a in a bear market. And if you look at this tr previous bullish trend that we had going on in stocks in 2002, 3, 4, 5, and 6, that trend was clearly broken by the bear market in 2000, 2008. Again, ever since then, we have not come even close. And, and what's interesting is, is this massive spike in stocks caused by that $5 trillion worth of liquidity injected into the markets. We've created this massive deviation from the long-term growth trend of the market that still hasn't hasn't rectified itself either. So, again, you know we're still within a correction within a bull market, and uh, what a correction suggests is is that if this was indeed the bottom, then yes, we'll almost immediately correct and go back to new highs and just keep going off to the moon, and and everything will be great. The problem becomes, of course, the Fed's inflation fight. And I'm writing an article right now talking about this isn't Paul Volcker's 1982. A lot of people are hoping that, well, as soon as the Fed pivots, the markets will immediately recover their losses and will be off to the races. And, and the, the question is, is there's no pressure on the Fed to pivot right now. And as the Fed continues to hike rates and as the Fed continues to you know, push on you know, this, this idea of slowing economic growth to quell inflationary pressures, if those pressures do not subside quickly, the Fed's going to keep hiking rates and they'll eventually break something in the economy itself. We'll see a big unemployment spike, et cetera. 
and then that will have to get factored into stock. So there's, there's, you know, while in the short term there's technically a case to be made that, you know, this this bear market is is over, right? And again, technical indicators can suggest that 20s cross above the 50, prices are rising. Uh, we've gotten above the 50-day moving average. We've had a 33% retracement. 50 days uh, uh, stocks above their 50-day moving average are improving. Breath is lots of bullish reasons to be long this market right now, right? We can make that bullish case. Then there's the Fed, and what we've been taught over the last decade is to not fight the Fed. But yet, this is the very thing that investors are doing now hoping that the Fed will bend to their will. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Anyway, be right back after the break. Lots of stories to get into this morning. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA Advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Health and financial security touches everyone within your organization. Offering benefits for all doesn't need to be complicated. Hi, I'm Tom Allen, Senior Benefits Consultant at RIA Advisors. RIA Benefits provides independent expertise to find solutions that speak to the mission of your business, the culture you want to establish, and the budget you are able to work within. Book a free consultation with me at realinvestmentadvice.com retirement, and we'll find a solution that takes care of your most important asset your people. Realinvestmentadvice.com slash retirement. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Could your job still be at risk? A new normal can still include new obstacles. A severance package can be an emotional as well as a financial decision to consider. Wouldn't it be comforting to review the options for you and your family with an objective financial partner? At RIA Advisors, we're here to help. From severance pay tax timing decisions to how to maximize unemployment benefits, the RIA team wants to make sure you can do what's best for your family. There's no charge for a consultation, so reach out to RIA Advisors 855-RIA-PLAN, riaadvisors.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Bulls win in bull markets. Bears win in bear markets. Eagles soar above and take advantage of opportunity. Let us help you soar as you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors, 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. CO2? CO2. That's yeah. the that's the big greenhouse gas that, you know, we're all trying to fight, right? AKA carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. Yes. 
And it's interesting that, you know, we have a shortage of CO2. Really? Yes. <laughs> so many punchlines, so little time. Yeah. Well, apparently, craft breweries, uh, you know, they're having to uh, shut down operations because they simply, there's a shortage of CO2. So uh, apparently, you know, that's what gives beer its bubbly texture. Fizz. Fizz. Yeah. Right. Um, According to this article, almost uh, two and a half grueling years of shutdowns, restrictions, staff shortages, and rising prices for ingredients. Some local breweries are now having to contend with yet another threat to their business model, climate change. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. (laughs) Limited supplies of carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is an essential component of the crisp beer experience. CO2 gives the beer the bubbly, foamy appearance and taste, and apparently they can't get it. So I wonder if the soft drink companies are having the same problem. Don't know. It's an interesting question. But warm and flat is not where <laughs> beer is at. That's the nobody shows up at a yeah. nobody shows up at the bar and says, I like a warm flat beer, please. Maybe a flat tire, but yeah. not a warm flat mm-hmm. beer. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, just interesting. I mean, we keep having these kind of rolling shortages of yeah. stuff that, yeah. that show that show up and wouldn't think that CO2 is an issue. Just breathe heavier. So, <laughs> Get a cow. No, wait, that's methane. It is methane. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, you know, I, I, I told you all the story that when I was, um, you know, my family traveled over to Italy uh, earlier this summer. We went to see our son that we hadn't seen in a couple of years because of the COVID lockdowns. And so we all met up in uh, Maori, Italy. Great little town, um, beautiful, very scenic. Um, very, you know, it's you know expensive for them, cheap for us. I, you know, just it, it, stuff seemed pretty inexpensive to me. But everybody was complaining about how how high the costs were. But you know, I, I understood two things leaving Italy: that why Italy has the best race car drivers in the world, because. They drive 90 miles an hour on these winding mountain roads with about an inch and a half between vehicles and particularly buses. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally, you're driving down the roads and the taxi drivers are like have the automatic mirrors that fold in and they see the bus coming. They fold their mirrors in. It's like you just squeak by. <laughs> so, you know, you're a little older after every taxi ride in, in Italy, but I do understand now why they have the best race car drivers. Uh, the second thing I learned in Italy was is that a lot of people show up there with mega yachts um we would uh, so this house that we rent we rented a house um up on the side of this mountain in Maori and and it overlooked you know kind of this this inlet uh, of the of the ocean and there were just yachts parked everywhere right in the water and it was interesting because I mean these aren't these aren't you know your 30-foot yachts, right? These are your mega yachts and super yachts and those type of things, you know, 100, 150, 200 you know, feet long type things. Helicopters on the back, that type of stuff. The reason I bring this up is that there was an article that uh, Brent put up on my uh, note list this morning called Rich Guy Yachts Just Keep Getting Longer. And in case you need a stronger indication that normal people are being taken for a ride in late-stage capitalism, historic inflation is being accompanied by a worldwide boom in the number of billionaires. All of those new members of the ultra-wealthy are buying super-mega and giga yachts. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, to set them apart from the land-based pores. 
There are so many deeply incredible and infuriating pieces of information from the New Yorker story about the world of private yachts that you need to you need to read this article. Um, but it is it is an interesting article, but it talks about, you know, the inflation of yachts by the super rich. And, and again, when you know, and again, you know, when we were in Italy, it wasn't just one or two yachts that were sitting in the in in the water and you know there's just all down the coastline and every port you went into there was five and ten at every single port um and when we went over to you know isle of capri there was just the the entire island was just surrounded by these mega yachts and again just a a massive amount of wealth that you know exists in the world but you know we've talked about before that a lot of this wealth is concentrated in uh, the hands of, of very few, but this is also why, you know, we see all of these, you know, this angst about, you know, why uh, and, and why capitalism is broken and these type of things. And I, and I find it interesting because, you know, there's a, you know, my kids watch TikTok and stuff like that, and you know, there's all these people that come on and they have these debate, these live debates, and you can debate with them. And it's just some guy, you know, sitting on his phone and he's willing to debate topics with you. And no, they're they're always wrong, right? <laughs> they debate wrong facts. They don't have really, you know, these are young young people with no real economic history behind them. But you know, they just kind of spew out the the party lines, right? That socialism is better and capitalism sucks and all this stuff and really have no idea and, and you know as they sit there and I kind of you have to kind of almost laugh at it because at the point they're saying oh capitalism sucks right so what are they doing they're sitting there wearing you know designer clothes right of some sort you know whatever clothes they're wearing using an iPhone right working on TikTok hoping to get paid some money for it and you know helping promote other products and so this it's it's interesting because the very thesis of capitalism is broken is what they are using to make other people wealthy you know and, and again you know in order to participate in this economy right and and to do these things right if you want to complain about socialism on social media you've got to go buy an iphone <laughs> you know Tim Cook appreciates that, and he has a super yacht. So there you go. Um, you know, I'm sure the CEO of TikTok, whoever he is somewhere in China that has all of your data now, um, <laughs> would absolutely appreciate you using his platform and making him even wealthier in his own right, right? And, and so all these things that we do, you know, the, the clothes that we buy, you know, and in fact, if you go to the Isle of Capri, there's the mansions that belong to all the designer, the Italian designers right up at the top of the mountain overlooking the poor people. <laughs> and they appreciate all the clothes that you buy from them. And this is what I find really fascinating about YouTube and TikTok and, and all these things, right? And Instagram, you know. Everybody wants to, you know, follow and, and promote and be like these people that are on TikTok, yet they complain about capitalism, right? They go, oh, capitalism sucks. I'm not getting my fair share. Let me go follow Kim Kardashian, who's like 100 million, you know, followers or whatever. And let me go buy all the products that she promotes to me, right? So I'm making Kim Kardashian rich or I'm making, you know, Joe Blow rich, whoever it is that's promoting some product on social media. I'm making that guy rich 
And I'm helping that guy participate in capitalism because that guy was smart enough to get up and, and create a channel that people wanted to watch. He's you know using his creative talent, and now he's promoting product, and he's getting paid for it, and all these people are following him. And so while these people are following, complaining about you know the, the, <laughs> the capitalism is broken meme, they're actually promoting capitalism. Because what is capitalism? Capitalism is the ability for somebody to go out and start something, use their creative talent to create something that they can make money with. And that's what they're doing. And so, you know, we should, we should you know, respect that. We should honor that, right? Some, some kid went out and, and created a channel and he's making, there, there's a, 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 one thing that's always kind of fascinated me. There's a guy, and, and again, I'm old and I'm outdated, so I'm sure there's somebody newer than this guy. But one thing that, that kind of shocked me when really YouTube really first started taking off, there was a guy named PewDiePie who, do you, you know what I'm talking about, Britt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So PewDiePie, all he does is he streams himself playing video games. And he had, you know, like, Five million followers, right? I, just some uh, an insane, and it probably had more than that. Honestly, there's probably in the double digits of followers because he was extremely well liked, and he was just a funny guy who who played video games and streamed himself commenting while he was playing video games. He had all these followers, and the guy was making five million dollars a year off of YouTube, right? But here's a guy, he, he, he found a niche, created an opportunity, and made money from it. Good for him. I wish I would have thought of it. And this, and, this is, and this is really, you know, kind of the funny thing about all of it. It is that, you know, we all want to sit around. I, re I remember when, in back in 2008, we were on the radio uh, back then and, and doing uh, a political show, and we were talking about the, the Occupy Wall Street that was going on at the time. And this was really that first, you know, this is, this is, if you don't remember, I know it's been a long time and there's a lot, of, <laughs> there's a lot of people that weren't even alive then, but um, <laughs> back in 2008, of course, you know, people were getting kicked out of their homes. Banks were repoing homes. They didn't even have mortgages on, um, you know, it was just, it was a, it was just a very bad situation economically, right? The, the financial crisis of 2008. And in the midst of this, of course, you know, the bankers all, Wall Street got wealthier, the bankers got wealthier, and the poor got poor. And this launched the first, and, and this is really where all this kind of ire started. And, and we all started, you know, to, we go, oh, let's all go riot every week about something that we're upset about. But it all started back with Occupy Wall Street. And all these young people went to New York and they occupied Wall Street. It was the 99 versus the 1%. And they're all complaining about the 1% while they're tweeting on their phones and, you know, working on their laptops and leaving trash everywhere. But, you know, the very thing they were rebelling against were all the very products that they were all buying and using. Look, if you want to really get to the rich people, stop buying their stuff. Stop following them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You know, get on with your own life. Go create your own capitalism. That's what capitalism is. You create your own opportunities. Nobody's going to give it to you. But you can certainly hurt those that you don't like. Just stop following them. It's pretty easy. Be right back after the break.
The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. Uh, futures are kind of a little mixed this morning. Dow's up about 9, 10 points. Uh, NASDAQ's down about 70 points. So, again, a little bit of a drag left over yesterday from NVIDIA's earnings, which it was interesting because NVIDIA said, well, their gaming segment where people you know, buy cards to, you know, video cards to you know, game with, et cetera, which is, you know, what... NVIDIA specializes in high-end graphics, video cards, those type of things, and so a lot of gaming applications. And it's interesting because what they said was is they expected a revenue slowdown after this kind of blockbuster couple of years that they had. Now, you know, stock took a hit yesterday, and not surprising, but the announcement really wasn't all that surprising either. We have to go back and think about what happened over the last couple of years, right? And we've seen this in other companies, not just NVIDIA. We saw it with Peloton and others, right? You send money to households. People have a bunch of cash sitting around. They can't go out and do anything because they're all locked down because of this, uh, you know, this COVID thing. And so what do they do with the cash? They spend it, right? So we had this boom of economic activity. People were all going out buying Peloton. I can't tell you how many people I knew that went out and bought a, bought a uh, new coat rack for their house called a Peloton. It was a very expensive coat rack, but they bought the Peloton bike and, you know, had it, you know, the guy comes out, they install the bike, they use it once, and then they start hanging clothes on it. Um, you know, but of course, you know, after the, the pandemic is over and people are going back to living their normal lives and getting on with things and realizing, you know, it is what it is. Then all of a sudden those sales just plummeted. Well, same thing happened with NVIDIA, right? So all these people are locked up, especially the kind of the young millennials, you know, zillennial, whatever you call them, crowd, Gen Zers. Well, their, their first inclination is to game, right? So they're all hanging around. They kind of run through the whole social media thing, and, you know, they're online working, you know, a couple hours a day. Well, the rest of the time they're sitting around and they're video gaming. And so there was a big boom and big demand for video game cards. And that was a, a big push in the earnings of NVIDIA. And of course, NVIDIA has had a couple of, of different challenges over the last few years. The, you know, they also provide the, the graphics cards that are used for Bitcoin mining. And so when Bitcoin mining was really taken off, um, you know, they had a big surge in earnings because of the Bitcoin craze. Well, after that first kind of big you know, downturn in cryptocurrencies, that demand for mining went away. 
and video games took over. Well, now things are just kind of, re, you know, and so while NVIDIA's, you know, predicting a slowdown in earnings, it's just a normalization of what the earnings should be based on kind of a normal economic environment, not one that's been juiced up by a bunch of, you know, checks to households. And so, you know, this, so you have to kind of look through these earnings and, and kind of look at where their earnings trend is supposed to be relative to where it was because of these one-off effects that have occurred. And so, you know, the world is just slowing down. Now, and you know, if there's a company that I want to own, when I get to 2030, 2040, it's going to be NVIDIA. It's going to be one of them. And there's companies like that that you can identify saying, look, you know, where the world is headed to is not one where their product is going to have less demand. Yes, they're having less demand right now because things are just normalizing from these super elevated peaks of demand that were caused by artificial interventions. Also created that inflation spike that we're talking about. And so things are just returning to normal. And the question is, is, is that normalization process is, you know, how long does it last? But, you know, just something to, you know, kind of think about. And this is where we kind of come back to this, you know, look at the markets and, as we were talking about earlier on the show, you know, the markets are in this corrective process, right? And you can break this market down into to a bullish argument. And there's, there's lots of reasons that you can come up with to be bullish, right? Technically, there's a lot of signs to be bullish on the markets. And, you know, there's, you know, other kind of factors that you can build in. You know, investor sentiment is so bearish on many cases. Now, that's turning fairly quickly. Bearish sentiment is now becoming more bullish, but it's not uber bullish yet. So there's still that negative sentiment. We've got to drag more of those bears back into the market to make them bulls, right? And, and so there's that, and that helps push asset prices higher. Short covering has been a big factor of this rally so far. You know, Higher income consumers, those in the top 1% with mega yachts, they're doing just fine. <laughs> they, you know, they don't even recognize there's inflation. It's just, you know, diesel prices have gone up. You know, one of the big complaints of yacht owners is the cost of diesel fuel. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, their diesel fuel is eating up their budgets. But, you know, these are those, you know, there's a lot of factors that we can say, you know, support higher asset prices. And this is one of the things that is important to remember is that you can have an opinion that says, look, you know, I think the market's going down for all these reasons, or I think the market's going up for all these reasons, and you can be wrong. And this is one of those really challenging times in the markets where I can make a really good bull case for being long equities. I can also make a really good bear case for being short equities right here. And depending on your personal bias, you're like, well, tell me the bearish story or tell me the bullish story, right? So it depends on your personal bias and what you're kind of hoping to get out of the markets. And the, the reality is, is that I have no idea which one is going to play out and neither does anybody else. This is, and this is the fact, you know, all these people telling you on television or, or in the financial media is like, oh, the bull market's back. They have no idea. Those, likewise, everybody telling you that the market's going to go lower, have no idea, right? We're all guessing. It's all a guess. And this is why we have to just navigate the markets for what it gives us, right? We've, we've had a bit of a rally here. 
you know, we added some exposure to portfolios a, a week or so ago. We, uh, with the market rallied, it got overbought. We took that exposure back off again. We just have to trade this for right now because that's that's the risk. You know, the market could could you know could go up from here, right? So if we could get an ideal setup, would be the market pull back to the 50, 20 day moving average, which are sitting right on top of each other right now consolidate there a little bit, work off this overbought condition, and then begin to move higher. That would be a great opportunity to add some money to portfolios, and you're going to get a nice little leg out of the market higher. Likewise, the market starts to correct, cuts through those two moving averages. We're going to retest lows pretty quick. And you're going to be glad that you're underweight equities at that point. But again, until you get there, until you get to that intersection of the road, you have no idea which way to go. And this, and this is the problem. And again, there's a lot of articles right now. There's a tremendous number of articles being written. We put a chart in our daily commentary on Monday showing the number of articles being written on new bull markets. It's a new bull market. Huge surge in those. But at the same time, there's a lot of articles being written about why this is a bear market rally. And so the question becomes, well, Lance, tell me what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. If I knew what to do, I would tell you what to do. This is why we have to just navigate this every day for what it is. This is why every day on the show, when we come on the show, you know, we talk about, hey, here's what the market did yesterday in our daily commentary. If you're not subscribed to our daily commentary, get subscribed. Just go to the website, click on the daily commentary link right there on the front page. And on the right-hand side, once you get to the commentary, is a subscribe button. But every day we put a trading market update and that says this is what the market did yesterday. This is what we expect it to do today. Here's what to watch for. Because we don't know. We just have to navigate this for what it is. You know, it, it's, you know, it's kind of like driving a car. In a, in a lot of ways, it's, it's like driving a car. You know, you know how, how, how often have you gotten in your car and you're driving somewhere and you kind of just mentally wake up and you're five miles down the road because you were off, you know, kind of in never, Neverland thinking about whatever you were thinking about. And all of a sudden you're five miles down the road and you're like, wow, I don't even remember driving that last five miles. But you did. And that whole time, though, your body's making these minute adjustments to the car, right? You're, you're turning a little bit left, a little bit right, keeping your car in the center lane, tapping brakes when you need to, accelerating when you need to. But your body's automatically making all of these changes while you're driving a car, even though your brain's off and, you know, doing something else. Or you're driving with your knee, eating a hamburger and TikToking. One of the, th whatever you're doing, right, you're doing. But your body's making all these minute adjustments to driving the car. Well, it's the same thing with the markets. You know, we're traveling down a highway here and we have to make these minute adjustments to the portfolio to navigate getting there. And, and sure, we can, and we've talked about before about, you know, the risk of one-sided bets and, you know, betting a whole lot of money on, on commodities. For example, we wrote an article back in May talking about why it was time to take money out of energy stocks. And the reason was is that energy had gotten extremely overbought and you're going to have a correction. And at that time, everybody was like, oh, I just want to be long energy stocks. You know, energy stocks, they're never coming down again. Well, they've come down, and now they're actually in a much better position. But again, you have to just think about markets 
for what they are. Don't get tied up into this bull argument, bear argument mess. Markets are markets. They can be bullish one day and bearish the next. We just have to navigate them for what they are. Be right back after the break. We'll wrap up the show. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. Today we're talking about the new Farmer's Almanac and the old Farmer's Almanac. There's two Farmer's Almanac. Dueling Almanacs. Dual, dueling Almanacs. So yeah. you, gave me a, you gave me a link this morning. Bitterly cold air. Farmer's Almanac predicts another chilly Texas winter. But is this, is this the new Farmer's I, Almanac? I don't know. Because that, that must be yeah. the old Farmer's Almanac because I read a headline the other day from the new Farmer's Almanac that said we're going to have just a moderate winter here. However... North United States, mm-hmm. right? Montana mm-hmm. and yeah. Nebraska, they're going to have glacial winter. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, ice age type winter yeah. up there. So, mastodons. It's something. Because, yeah. but, so apparently you must be coming from the old Farmer's Walmart Act, mm-hmm. which says that we're going to have a winter weather forecast earlier than ever. As much of the country experiences extreme weather and rising cost of heating oil, the long running publication predicted 22. 23 winter will be filled with plenty of shaking, shivering, and shoveling. And How skiing. alliterative. <laughs> yeah. The coldest winters are expected. Well, this is okay. Well, no, this, this is what I said. The yeah. coldest winters are expected in north central states, the northeast, and the Great Lakes area. So there you go. But as long as we don't have another freeze like we had back in Texas, right? That's well, I'm good with that one. It'll take a cold one just to get stuff cooled off from this month. <laughs> I mean, it's glowing red out there still. Uh, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, we were pushing up 100 degrees yesterday, and today, the, the rest of this week, we're supposed to be pushing well into the 100-degree mark. So, yeah. I'm not looking for my run on Friday. It's, <laughs> it was hot last weekend. Oh, yeah. It was bad hot. Yeah. So, what time do you start that? Um, usually, I get the newsletter out on, on, on Fridays. You know, I kind of we get our meetings and stuff done, right? So, you, I'm normally out by 9, 930. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's warm, but it's not hot yet. Yeah. But on Saturdays, it's by the time I get the newsletter out, it's later in the afternoon and it's hot, hot. So, yeah. Yeah. It's hot, hot. So anyway, 
A couple of things to wrap up the show here this morning. Uh, Obviously, we have uh, earnings still coming out. We've gotten through the bulk of earnings season now. Most of the S&P 500 have pretty much announced earnings. And we've got, you know, kind of just the, I mean, there's still a lot of companies still coming out to report earnings, right? And and that's going to continue through the rest of this month for the most part. But, you know, this is, you know, we've kind of gotten through the bulk of it. So, again, those that's going to start to slow down. And and that's had kind of a mixed effect on markets, you know, so far this quarter. I mean, we've had some days where, uh, you know, good earnings from companies like Apple and Microsoft, et cetera, help support markets. Um, we've had other days where earnings have not supported markets. And what's interesting is, is that this has been a earnings period of where, Stocks are rallying on earnings not being as bad as expected. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but the, the question you have to ask yourself, if you're, if you're starting to buy into this idea that the bull market is back and the bear market bottom is in, then you've got to start building a case for how stocks begin to have better than expected earnings. Because you can't keep rallying markets on not as bad as expected, right? Netflix came in, reported earnings, and only lost a million subscribers. It was expected they'd lose two million. So that wasn't as bad as expected. So the stock rallied, right? Well, if they lose another million subscribers in the next quarter, well, is that going to be good for earnings? So at some point, we've got to migrate. If this is going to be the bottom of the bull market, right, then we've got to get to the point to where markets are beginning to rally on better than expected news, not not as bad as expected. That's that's kind of an unsustainable trend for markets near term. It's okay for a quarter, but you can't keep stretching out not as bad as expected for multiple quarters because eventually at some point you've got to start rallying stocks based on, well, I shouldn't say rallying stocks, but pricing stocks based on earnings, earnings growth, and expected earnings growth. So, you know, not as bad as expected only gives you so much. And, and again, this has been kind of an interesting quarter because a lot of this rally from the lows that we've seen over the last several weeks has been a function of not as bad as expected earnings. Now, if this bull market is going to continue, it's got to improve. And that's one of the things that, you know, we're, you know, we're watching for, right? So the question is, is, is the economy slowing down more or have we pretty much wrung out most of the economic slowdown? And that's a hard argument, right? You know, one side, we've had, you know, pretty good slowing in economic data. Economic data is getting pretty bearish on a lot of different fronts. And expectations, and this is always, kind of, again, we go back to, you know, kind of expect expectations for earnings. There's also expectations for economic data. A lot of the expectations for economic data has gotten pretty negative. So now there's that potential for economic data to start to surprise to the upside, not as bad as expected. And so the question is, is have we gotten to that trough of economic data to where we're starting to see better and improving economic data? Well, some of the economic data that is out is still getting weaker. Um, you know, ISM, manufacturing, production, 
those type of things are also still showing declines in new orders and new and and prices paid and and as we see the economy return back to kind of a normal growth rate after this kind of surge in economic data because of all the stimulus um, suggests that there's still some more downside to go in that economic data but we're not back to the back to levels of normality yet in that data to suggest that we've seen the bottom you know but the question becomes ultimately really down to the Federal Reserve, right? The more they hike rates, the more aggressively they hike rates, then, of course, that's going to slow economic data even more because that's what, remember, that's what it does. I'm hiking rates to reduce consumption and demand in the economy. That slows the, econ that slows the economy. That brings pricing down, right? So that's how you get rid of inflation. It's not subtle. It's not pretty, but you can't attack, you can't attack inflation all by itself. Right. I can't there's not there's not a tool where I can just go target prices, but leave the rest of the economy alone. That's just not the way it works. And, you know, as we've talked about before, about 40 percent of the CPI calculation is housing. And we're starting to see a lot of houses sitting on markets longer. You know, a lot of the bidding wars have subsided. Um, we're seeing home prices being dropped at a fairly rapid pace starting to see listings decline. So a lot there's a lot of evidence that the housing market is beginning to slow down. And the question is is has as is the housing market, you know, just starting to slow down or is it almost over slowing down? You know, is how much farther does it have to go to get to, you know, whatever it's going to be, right? But housing prices got very extended from long-term means and that suggests that there's still a good bit more to go in the housing market before this is over and again that'll be a consequence of what the fed does so again we kind of go back to this bullish bearish argument we was talking about in the last segment is that you know i can we can make a case for markets to be bullish and i think on a short-term basis <clears throat> there is a bullish bias to stocks at least for right now and what's interesting is, is there's a lot of analysis that says, well, since 1990, every time stocks have done this, then, you know, they one year later, stock prices were higher. And sure, that could be the case. But this environment is a little bit different, and we're in an environment that we haven't seen since the 1970s where the Fed was aggressively hiking rates to combat inflation. <clears throat> And that just wasn't one point, by the way. In 1960s and 70s, there were multiple bouts of inflation, multiple periods where the Fed was hiking interest rates. <clears throat> and in every case, they created both a bear market and a recession. There were, there were multiple recessions between 1960 and, 19, and 1985. And multiple bear markets. You know, most people think about, the, you know, when they look at that period, they only remember the 1973-74 bear market because that was the big one, right? There were three other bear markets before that in the 1960s. <clears throat> and those, those previous bear markets led to rallies that actually got markets back to all-time highs, right? And everybody's like, woo, glad that bear market's over. And then, bam, another bear market. And then got back to all-time highs. Woo, glad that one's over. Boom, next bear market. All-time highs, boom, 1973-74, wiped them out. But the reason you were getting those rallies and, and you know, bear markets 
was because the Fed was either hiking aggressively or reducing rates because of inflation. But we only remember the big ones, right? Right there at the tail end. We don't remember all the other stuff that happened. So again, if we kind of just go back and look at, the, and I'm writing an article on this, by the way, so I'll have it out in a few days. But, you know, when you go back and look at that period, it tells you a lot about kind of what you might want to be thinking about as a possibility of where this market looks like over the next couple of years. And whether or not, and of course, all this really depends on how fast that the Federal Reserve can get inflation under control. And what happens if it comes back? I mean, what happens if this Inflation Reduction Act actually causes more inflation? Something to think about. All right, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Our newsletter is out. You can subscribe to that. We send that out every weekend. Um, that's the only email you're going to get uh, for that list. Uh, so if you subscribe to the daily email, you'll get a daily email from us, uh, which covers all of our daily market commentary, interesting tidbits, and more about the markets and what to do with your money. That comes out every morning at 7.30 a.m. before the market starts. And, of course, you can get access to all of our research platform and more at simplevisor.com. Go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Questions, comments, answers, whatever we can do, glad to help you. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. It's a rich man's world.